Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. All right, I hope you got your running shoes on. I hope you got your green shoes on tonight because we're going to hit the ground running. My goal is to have six chapters done tonight. Yeah, you know, sure. I, set, I like to set the bar high. So I just wanted to remind you of the, the two books that I'm using to, to get most of this study from. Is, uh, they're both by Finnis Dake, F-I-N-I-S-D-A-K-E. has a strange sort of name, but he is primarily where I get this information from. Because I feel like, I feel bad because I'm going 90 mile an hour. And I'm like, wow, there's so much that I'm kind of just counting on you to grasp um, through, I don't know, is it osmosis or something? Just that you're just supposed to figure it out as I talk. But um, hopefully, um, and, and like I said, we're, and I've said this a hundred times, we're just scratching the surface here. So I encourage you to do some additional studies, okay? But be careful who you're studying and who you're listening to and verify it with the Word of God. All right, and that's why I appreciate the Finnis Dake uh, model that we're after is because everything, and if you get those books, they're hard to read because they're so full of every reference that he has to where he's backed up everything that he has, you know, every opinion that he has or every, every uh, idea that he has. And so it, it's very, it's actually hard to read, but you just got to go slow, a lot slower than I'm going. So we're going to start tonight where we finished up last week, which was not there. It's right here. The beasts. We're going to talk just for a minute about the beasts. Um, because I think it, it gets confusing. This was something that when I first started looking at this, I was like, isn't there just like a beast? And that's, you know, Satan and it's a beast and he's the beast and this the beast and that the beast. It's not the truth and it's not the fact. The fact is that there are three beasts and one of them is a dragon. And whenever you see as you're studying the revelation or even as you study some of the um, prophetic uh, things that we see in the Old Testament, when you see the word dragon, that's Satan himself, okay? We're talking about Satan when, he's, when he is referred to as the dragon. Now, as we will see, as we look into chapters 13, uh, and actually 13 and 17 a whole lot, um, we will see that the dragon gives his power, or gives power, not all, not all of his power, but he gives power to two beasts, the first beast is called the beast of the sea. That beast is the Antichrist. Okay, so whenever you see it, talk about the beast of the sea, that's the Antichrist. And Satan gives power to the Antichrist. He's the one beast. The other beast we're going to look at is the beast of the earth. The beast of the earth is the false prophet that the dragon, Satan, gives his power to. Okay, to perform all kinds of miraculous signs and things. Okay, so just to, to, to kind of lay that groundwork as we start looking at this into what these beasts are. Now, these beasts are a part of the, and here are all those S's coming out of this toothless face. Because um, <clears throat> I, I have to like, beasts. <laughs> these beasts are actually symbolic. I know that we are taking a literal look at Revelation, but this is one of the areas of Revelation that is symbolic. We are not going to look from heaven and see 
a creature come out of the sea with seven heads, and it's not, that's not what it, these are symbolic, okay? So we, this is one of the portions of scripture that is symbolic, because it can't really be backed up with anything else in the word of God that would make it be taken literally. So when we look at these beasts, they, when John is seeing these beasts, they are representative. He is seeing in heaven, symbolically, he sees a seven-headed beast, okay? But it's, it's the Antichrist is who this, person, this beast represents, okay? And it's the false prophet is who this beast represents. So as we go through this, remember that this is a portion of Scripture that is symbolic. <clears throat> now these, um, let me see, the beasts are symbolic. They represent the kingdoms or kings. And we'll talk about that. Satan. Uh, we talked about the fact that, the, so you have like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have Satan, the, the Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. It is um, what some call the unholy trinity, okay? Or, but there is nothing in the Bible that supports this as fact, that they are, that they are a, an unholy trinity, However, we see throughout the, the word of God and throughout life itself that Satan likes to counterfeit the things of God. Okay, so we know that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are, are one, okay? This dragon, Antichrist, and the beast, and the false prophet are not one, okay? These are three separate entities, okay? And the, the, the one, the dragon, gives his power to the other two. Okay, so we're not looking at some kind of spiritual trinity. It's what we would call an unholy, that many call it an unholy trinity, because it's not a real trinity, okay? But people, of course, he's, I believe that Satan's trying to counterfeit what's going on. Um, and uh, The word for beasts, when we get to this part of the, of the Bible, is, a, is a, a Greek word, therion, T-H-E-R-I-O-N, okay? And that means... Translated to English, beast. <laughs> this is hey, we got this one right. Okay, in the first part of, of Revelation, and we're going to talk about them again. Remember the beasts with the six wings and the eyes all over them, and one looks like a leopard and one looks like a lion. Anyway, remember that those and and we said and we talked. I think back then that word is a different word. That word is zoa which is where we get our word zoo. So it's talking about really animals or create creatures, okay? But in, in English, we, we're, English is just awful. We don't have the right, we don't have the translation uh, power that other languages have. So we get them translated, they're these beasts. And then, then, then Americans, we get confused because, wait, there's four beasts around the throne. And now there's beasts over here. And it, it's not the same thing, okay? These beasts mean what we would think of as a beast, okay? Ugly, mean, uh, powerful, horrible. Um, your dog could be a Zoa, okay? <laughs> your little pet Chihuahua at home is this is a Zoa. That's the same word as we have when we talk about the, those beasts that are flying around the throne room, okay? So if I haven't gotten, I said we're gonna go quick today, and I'm not going quick, am I? All right. So chapter thirteen, verse one and two. Here we go. Then I witnessed in heaven the event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet and the crown of twelve. Wait a minute, that's chapter twelve. Next page, Jim. I was going to say we talked about the woman and the. We talked about that last week a little bit. Okay. Then I saw a beast <clears throat> rising up out of the sea, 
It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns, and written on each head were the names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. So here we see this, this first beast that's coming out of the sea. And so the dragon gives him his power. Now this beast has seven heads with ten crowns, ten horns, and the crowns are on the horns. Now, if we remember back in chapter 12, this beast, when, when, it, when we saw the beast that uh, came up, and uh, then I witnessed in ch- verse 3, this is right before, remember, we had the big fight where Satan was thrown out of heaven, okay, the big battle. He says, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. So if we see the change that takes place here, this beast that's coming up has seven heads, ten horns, but the crowns are now on the horns. There are ten crowns that are on the ten horns. Satan, who was thrown from heaven, had seven heads, same number of heads, but he had ten horns, but he only had crowns on the, ten, on the seven heads. I know, it's, you just, you, you'll have to look at it again after we, we talk about it, okay? These seven heads that are represented here are the seven nations or empires that have oppressed Israel throughout the ages, okay? That's what the seven heads are. Those seven heads are Satan's seven heads, have been his seven heads for a very long time, okay? That's the seven heads. They are Egypt. We know that Egypt oppressed some. Remember, uh, the family of Jacob had to go to Egypt to be rescued, and then they were there for 400 years. We have Egypt. We have Assyria, who then took over, who conquered the divided kingdom. When, When it was Judah and Israel, they were divided, okay? The Assyrian Empire. Then we have... The Medo, wait a minute, am I missing one? Syria, Babylon. Then we have Babylon, who had us for 70 years, had Israel for 70 years. Then we had the Medo-Persian Empire. Remember when, when Daniel was, was in the lion's den and all of that? That's, that's the Medo-Persian Empire that had oppressed Israel. Then there's, then there's Greece. 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 Then there's Greece. Wait, am I missing one? I don't know. Somebody tell me. Let me see. Yeah, there's Greece. Alexander the Great. Fights for Greece, okay, and, and fights with, and he conquers a, a, a larger area. Following Alexander the Great, we have the Rome. Did I miss one? Rome, Rome. Yeah, okay. I'm feeling like I missed one. Rome is the next one. Old Rome, the the the, the people who were in power when Christ walked the earth. When John is seeing all this, okay, Rome's in power, and 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 that's the Roman Empire. How, is that all seven? Did I say all seven yet? That's six. Who did I miss? I missed somebody. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Alexander the Great, Rome. That's only six. Did I say Greece? Anyway. That's Greece. That's seven? Who did I miss? Somebody looking at that list? I know I gave you all a list. Why am I not? I thought, oh, you'll remember these, Jim. You've done them a hundred times in your... 
in your head. I'm missing somebody. Anyway, there's seven because there's there's seven empires, okay, that have conquered Israel. At this point, now remember, we're all we're talking about the second half of this seven-year period, okay, the second half of the week. And all of these things are just kind of happening across that period. There's no specific timetable as to which one is happening and which one of those years and all of that. At this point, when he sees this beast come out of the sea, suddenly now there are 10 horns with 10 crowns. This represents the fact that this Antichrist, at this point, has conquered those 10 countries, the 10 nations that will make up his empire. You with me? Remember, he won't have them all at once. Um, if you go back to Daniel and you look at how, how this all happens, he doesn't get them all at once. He's basically gonna be, he's gonna conquer three of them, so there'll be four nations. He's gonna have, he's gonna have be the, the leader of a nation. And, we'll talk. and then he conquers three more, so there's four of them. Okay, And then six other nations throughout this first half of the, of the, three, of the seven years will begin, will, will join him through alliance. He doesn't have to conquer them. They just give up and join him for, for out of fear or out of economic, you know, whatever leads them to join him. And at that point, he has those 10 nations. That is when he breaks his his. his treaty with Israel, okay? And at that point, that's when that great tribulation, the last three and a half years. So what he's seeing here is that this is the first that John is seeing, this beast that has that complete power at this point. He's, he's taken that power. Um, let me see, where I am? Where am I at? You can see in there that there are several of the the ways that he described them are actually descriptions that are taken from those, them, those empires that had conquered uh, Israel throughout the throughout the ages. The leopard has always represented Alexander because of how fast Alexander uh, took over and conquered his territories. The bear is the Medo-Persian. The lion is Babylon. Anytime you see reference to lion in a lion in a negative sense, not when we're talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah, but when we're talking about nationally, the lion, it's usually talking about Babylon, okay, is the lion. So we see these and uh, that Satan gives this power to this Antichrist at this point. Then, uh, that's not where I had that, okay. Uh, Verse three, I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. Now, one of the heads of the beast was wounded and seemed to be dead, but now has been healed. People have have said that this means that the Antichrist, like Christ, will be wounded as dead, and he will come back. And that is not what this says. This says that one of the heads, what are the heads? Those empires, okay? It's those empires that were through the ages oppressors. This would probably symbolize one of two of those empires, just because of what we know about those empires. Would either be Rome, because John would recognize what Rome the Roman Empire, and, and remember Rome fell in uh, one, I don't know, he fell, or it, during John's lifetime, Rome actually began to crumble and fall apart, the Roman Empire. But bef- before that, Babel- Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, was 
destroyed, okay? Now, Jeremiah says that Babylon will never be built again. And so people have used that to say that this doesn't talk, when we get to talking about Babylon here going forward, they're not talking about the city of Babylon. No, Jeremiah says that once the city of Babylon is destroyed, it will never be heard from again. And it also says that there will be no remnants of it or no remains. It's not like they could go and do an archaeological dig and dig up pieces of Babylon. Today we have pieces and portions of the old Babylon. Okay, so we have those things. Saddam Hussein was using those very relics and remnants to try and rebuild Babylon. Okay, so we have those remnants. So that could not have been what Jeremiah was actually talking about. Remember, we're using scripture to back up what scripture says, not just what it sounds like in English. Okay, it sounds like in English. It sounds like, so this is probably, most people believe, a reference to Babylon. Okay, and what is, what now it has come back because as we get into the next couple chapters, we're gonna see that Babylon is an issue. Okay, Babylon is the big issue at this point, so it's probably speaking about Babylon and how people were amazed when the city of Babylon was rebuilt and it became a powerful, uh, powerful, and it basically ends up being the Antichrist's capital, at least for the first three and a half years because then he moves to the temple in Jerusalem for the second three and a half years. But as far as economics and spirituality and everything, Babylon is the capital of the Antichrist's Antichrist empire. So we see that. So when the wounded head is a nation, and people are amazed that it has come back. All right, verse... Uh, um, um, verse four, they worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power. They also worshiped the beast who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed, who's able to fight against him. Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. He was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months, three and a half years. Okay, you added it up, three and a half years. So we see all of that happening. I wanna move down to verse nine. So we're basically seeing all of this happen um, and we're seeing that the Antichrist is, the, he's the dude now, okay? He's the, the popular guy in the world. Um, the nations and people are, are basically bowing down before him and giving him all, you know, they believe that this is the guy with all the power and all the knowledge and all of that. And verse nine says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. There, there's this belief that no one gets saved during the, the seven years. It is just not true. Here it is saying, he's saying that during this time, here's what you know, God is saying. See what's going on over here? He's, he's showing this to John. See what this is going on? Well, anybody who's going through this needs to pay attention and they need to be faithful if they're they Christians, if they're faithful to God. And there are people that will go through this entire seven-year period before they ever get, get any kind of victory. You know, we think we've got it bad. These people will suffer because they didn't commit during the age of grace. Okay, and we talked about that before. We're in an age of grace now. So we, are, we benefit from all of that. Um, move on to Revelation. Okay, we're gonna look at the next beast, starting in uh, verse 11. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, 
but he spoke with the voice of a dragon, okay? Um, he exercised all the authority of the first beast. He required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed, remember? So basically, he's wor- wanting us to worship that beast who, who at this point, that, that head that was healed is Babylon. So they're wanting us to f- go and to fall. They're wanting everyone to obey and fall down and worship. And they ha- he has this voice. Now, he, has, uh, he looks like a lamb. Well, I wonder who he's trying to copy there. Okay, right. He looks like a lamb. He looks, he has an, innocent, an innocence about him. This is a human, okay? This is a person. This is a being, uh, you know, physical being on earth. Now, it's represented by this beast. Of course, you don't see this one with all the crowns and all the, you know, all that because it's, it's different, okay? He is speaking on behalf of and performing miracles on behalf of the Antichrist. So he is the false, this is who we know of as the false prophet of the, of the revelation, okay? This is the one. He's going to do all kinds of miracles, amazing things, just like in the, the days of Exodus when Pharaoh's um, sorcerers were able to reproduce many of the things that were going on. These men are going to do, and this man is going to be doing amazing, miraculous things. And he is, they are basically told that they have to worship this beast. Or in verse 15, it says, he was then permitted to give life to the statue so it could speak. The statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. This is the statue that the, that the beast sets up in the temple after he, destroy, or after he uh, breaks his treaty with Israel. He, takes, he stops all of the sacrificing that's going on. He sets a statue up in the temple of himself. And this has, it even has the ability to speak. Okay, so this thing can speak. And it's saying that you must worship it or die. Um, reminds a reminder to me of, of, of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the days of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, when we see these. So we see all of these things like are, they, they were precursors all throughout history, you know, basically that you did what they wanted you to do or you died, you know. We saw these things happening throughout, throughout um, history. How could a statue speak? Well, we... We've got robots today that speak. We've got holograms and all those things that, you know, we saw Elvis Presley on the, on the Grammys, like after he was dead for 40 years. You know, come on. What, we, they can make these things happen, okay? They can make it happen. And the, the closer we get to this stuff, the more possible it, it even seems for these things to actually happen. <clears throat> so, let's see. Um, oh, verse, verse 18 says, Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Oh, what does 666 mean? I transfer license plates and transfer cars for a living right now. And buddy, I'm telling you what, when that 666 comes up on that license plate, I have had people who would say, nope. I'm not taking that, and I say to them, I have to issue them as they're issued to me in order, and they'll go, I'll sit over here and wait till the next guy comes in. And they have sat and waited for the next person to come in because I don't want them three sixes. Now, they've probably never darkened the door of a church in their lives, you know what I mean, but they know what those three sixes mean. Listen, this 666 is not anything crazy. It's not anything that we honestly, he says here, just... Everyday people should be able to understand this. 
And the truth of the matter is, Hebrews and Greeks could understand it because every letter and every word in their alphabet had a corresponding number that went with it. Now, there, so you would be able to say, uh, let's see, uh, Rose. Oh, Rose, that's a uh, 48. You know, and so everybody had these numbers, okay? They were assigned letters and words and different things had different numbers assigned. So, but wouldn't it be great if there was like one name that came up 666? It doesn't. There are literally tens of thousands of names that could come up 666 in Hebrew and Greek. And then if you add in English translations, into those, you get another three or 400,000. So we, we're not gonna know what that name is. And I think that this was purposeful. I mean, because then, I mean, you know, you couldn't, you know, how would, you know, John would know too much, I think, at that point. You know what I mean? It's like, John, like, we're showing you all this stuff, John, but I'm not telling you what his name is, but it adds up 666. You know, that's basically what it is. So we are not to spend a lot of time thinking about and trying to figure out this 666 thing. Okay, it just means that's his name. That's the name of the beast. And it, that name has a corresponding number in Hebrew or Greek, depending on how you look at it, with 666, okay? So that's, it's something that's not worth a lot of time to be spent on, okay? You know, there are probably pastors who have spent weeks talking about how to calculate 666 and figure out who, you know what I mean? And basically, the Lord even tells us there, it's really not worth your time. It's not necessary. Not necessary that we know his name. <sighs> Barack Obama didn't make 666, by the way. Just saying, because I looked it up. I was like, oh, yeah, these people, things that people have said throughout recent days, I was like, neither does Joe Biden. It's not a 666. <sighs> I'm not gonna tell you who the last 666 was. But anyway, all right, so Revelation chapter 14, moving on. Are y'all with me? Because it's, I'm trying to move through this, so we, but I don't wanna forget you. I don't wanna leave you in the dust, okay? So now we're moving to Revelation chapter 14. Oh, maybe a little bit of good news, okay? Here we go, Revelation 14. This is our, this is our breath now after we've talked about these beasts and all this. Uh, Revelation chapter 14, then I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion, the lamb, okay? Not the one that looks like a lamb. He saw the lamb, okay, standing on Mount Zion. And with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I, and I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. Guess what we're going to do when we get to heaven? We're playing the harp. I won't need Michonne to put me to sleep. I'll be playing the harp. Okay, as a matter of fact, almost everything in the Bible that talks about what we're gonna do it has us playing the harp or singing, okay? So there you go, those of you who can't sing and, or those of us who can't sing, I shouldn't like, but those, of, you know what I mean? We're gonna be singing, we're gonna be playing the harp. And what we see here is this 144,000, remember who they were? Remember who they were not? They're not the Jehovah's Witnesses, okay? So they, these are the 144 Jewish uh, converts that, ha that come about during the first three and a half years. And then at that halfway point, they got raptured. Now, look, see how we know they got raptured? They're there, folks. They're there. This Mount Zion is not the Mount Zion here on earth. This is the heavenly Mount Zion. He's not saying, I look down at the little earth below, and there stood Jesus on the mountain. Jesus isn't down there on Mount Zion, okay? 
Jesus is in heaven. So that's where he's seeing him. He's seeing him in the Mount Zion of heaven with the 144,000. They are playing and singing their hearts out. They are singing a song that says that we can't, it says that we can't learn it. A better translation is that we can't understand it because guess what? I'm gonna sing a song in heaven that you won't quite understand. You might sort of get the gist of it, but my song will be my experience. Your song will be your experience. These 144,000 are gonna have an experience like none of us have ever understood. So their worship will be different from the worship that we have. I, I heard a, a, a preacher say one time that um, he, he was thinking about heaven or so, I don't know how he got the idea, but um, that, that when we get to heaven, the angels are gonna say to us, what's it like? You know, and we're like, man, y'all got it made up here. You're in heaven. But you know what they said to him when they said, what's it like? What's it like to know that he died for you? Because he didn't die for the angels. He didn't die for them. Their song is going to be different than our song because we are the ones who are washed in his blood. Those angels, they don't have that same song. They have a song, I'm sure, and we hear it many times. We hear, holy, 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 worthy, 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 okay? And I believe we'll sing those songs too, but these 144,000 have a specific song that, is, is, that equates to their experiences with the Lord. Um, the voices of many waters and thunders, we hear this throughout the Revelation, okay? Um, it, heaven, um, sorry, is gonna be a very loud place. Those of you who like um, quiet worship, you might get a little disappointed. Heaven is going to be a loud place, okay? Voices of many waters, voices of thunders. Vo and we're talking, about, we're talking about a concert here. Um, then, an, okay, let me see. That was, I'm gonna move on to the angels. I don't know where I am here. Um, oh, the part about them being virgins and all that stuff, Look that up if you wanna look into it. It doesn't mean that, that none of them have ever been with a woman. These 144,000, they don't have to be celibate men, you know, to be, but it's, it actually, it doesn't mean that. It just means that they're, they're holy, they're not defiled, okay? They didn't defile themselves with the temptations that they're gonna have the first three and a half years of that, of that uh, 70th week, okay? That's basically what that comes down to. I wanna move along. Verse six, <clears throat> verse six. Now, in, uh, starting in verse six, we have three angels that appear at this point. And he says, and I saw another angel, wait, the great one. Then I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, fear God. Give glory to him for the time has come when he will sit as judge, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. The last three and a half years of this tribulation, there will be angels proclaiming the gospel to every tribe, and you know, no, we have not found, and there's people who say that the church isn't gonna be raptured until every creature on earth, every language, tribe, and nation hear about Jesus. That's not true, okay? And they'll use this scripture. This scripture says that during that three and a half years, there will be an angel that will proclaim it to every tongue and nation, okay? At that point, now, they don't have any excuse they can't get away with, I never heard about you, Lord, because they're going to hear. See, God, God doesn't make promises that he can't keep. 
That he, you know what I mean? He is faithful. He is making sure that down to the nitty-gritty, every person who is able will give their heart to God. And we'll, we'll, we'll see these things. Then it says, another angel followed him through the sky, sound, shouting, Babylon is fallen, the great city is fallen, because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Okay, so this one is, remember how we talked about how things in heaven are proclaimed before they actually take place on earth, okay? It's not necessarily, we don't know that this is following chapter 17 and 18, which are the fall of Babylon. This may be happening at any point because he's there, you know what I mean? So again, this isn't that one, two, three timing going on here, but it's all taking place in that last three and a half years. So this one is proclaiming that Babylon has fallen, okay? The third angel followed them shouting, anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It will be pulled out full strength. This is, you know, we see the gospel being proclaimed. We see the warning that Babylon has fallen. And then we see God saying, this is it. This is it. And if you accept that mark, then you are drinking the cup of, of you're basically, then you're falling in line with Babylon and you will suffer. You, you're, the full anger of God will be poured out at this time. Um, let me see where I'm at here. Okay, these are, and, and I put in here in the notes, those of you who got the notes, I think I did. Oh, maybe I didn't. Did I not do it? Oh, well, maybe. Oh, well, I said in here, Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, this is what Jesus was talking about, not prior to the rapture of the church, when Jesus talks about every tongue and nation and tribe and language, hearing about it. Um, and those are the things that, that's what he was talking about. Remember, we get, we get chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew confused between second coming versus rapture. So before the second coming of Christ, every nation will have heard, not before the rapture. There are though, now, and that doesn't mean that we just sit back and cruise. That means that we still get out there and do everything that we can, okay? Um, okay, there we go. Um, I'm trying to move through here. Where am I? All right, move on, Jim. Okay, so there's uh, the third angel. He's basically saying doom. Uh, Babylon's the capital of the Antichrist kingdom. Um, it's by the Babylon that we would, say, you know, the, the city of Babylon is basically in the, it's very close to uh, the capital of Iraq. So that's when Saddam Hussein was building his capital. It was basically Babylon that he was rebuild, trying to rebuild. Um, Babylon is in what we would call today Iraq. Um, uh, the, the, let me see. Where am I at? 14. Oh, I skipped something somewhere. 12 and 13. Oh, 12 and 13. I'm sorry. Verses 12 and 13 of chapter 14. Um, he said, and then he says, here's, here he tells us what all this means so far. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Now, realize he's not talking about you and me, okay, because we're already in heaven, okay? So during this time, there will be God's people. There will be people getting saved during this time, this, this illusion that, that it's not gonna happen because the church isn't here. 
who do you think you are? Okay, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for, for their good deeds follow them. So this is the trip, this, it's in reference to the saints that come about after that halfway mark. These are the, the ones we talk about, the great tribulation saints. The, he's talking here about the ones who are, going to, who are going to get saved and survive or get martyred during that last three and a half years. These are the ones who come out of great tribulation, okay? Not all of us. Sorry, guys, we didn't come out of great tribulation because we're not going through it. How could you come out of it if you didn't go through it? Okay, next, next page. <clears throat> Chapter, oh, just verses 14 to 16. This is, um, well, 14, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap it I'm going to put up 14, or I'm going to put the rest of chapter 14 together. Okay, we have two harvests, okay? Jesus talked to his disciples, if you remember. Um, I think I have the reference up there. Matthew chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 24 about this harvest that was going to take place. And remember, they, were, they went by the, they, they went past the, the field and they said, Lord, look, there's, there's tares in there among the wheat. Should we go in there and get them out? And he said, no, uh-uh. Let the tares grow up among the wheat. The time will come for the separation will take place, okay? This is what he was telling them about, okay? Basically, John sees here an angel that comes out and it proclaims, and basically, he sees Jesus come out. Anytime you see that it's an angel on a cloud, he's talking about Christ, okay? Angels don't float on clouds for some reason. Jesus does, um, you know, and we, and isn't that funny that we see angels up there playing harps riding around, playing harps riding around clown, on clouds, not clowns, riding around on clouds. And really, the, the word of God doesn't, it shows Jesus, anytime you see a, a being, an angelic being that's with a cloud, um, it's, it's Christ, okay? And he's come, and he has his sickle, okay? And basically, the, he does two harvestings. The first harvest is the harvest of the wheat, and he takes the wheat, he harvests the wheat. Um, let me just grab that scripture real quick, quick. Um, <clears throat> swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come the crop on earth is ripe so the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested at this point okay at this point here's the point where people aren't gonna get saved anymore okay the earth is ripe harvest okay this is the point if we have to point to a place that says there will be no more people getting saved. This is it because Christ himself has taken the sickle and has harvested the earth. Then it says that there's another harvest of the tares, or it refers to them in here as, as the grapes still heavy on the vine. And those are harvested then and thrown into the wine press of God and they are under such horrible conditions and horrible pressure that for 180 miles, their blood flows the height of a horse's harness. Okay, or horse's bridle. Bridle or harness. Anyway, somewhere on a horse for 180 miles is how deep their blood will flow. Okay? And this is what's happened. This is what we talk about. This is harvest Armageddon and harvest, what's the first one called? No, I lost my place again because I'm jumping ahead. Okay, harvest Armageddon, and oh, harvest, harvest Armageddon, and harvest vintage, they're called. Okay, this is, or vintage Armageddon. Harvest 
Armageddon and vintage Armageddon. What he's doing here, when he harvests the wheat, okay, takes it out from among the tear, as if two were working in the field. One was taken, the other left, okay? One was taken, the other left. These are the things that he was talking about. He wasn't talking about the rapture, where, well, that means that 50% of the people will go in the rapture. No, he's talking here that this, this is what he's talking about. This is the harvest, okay? And you want to be in the harvest Armageddon, not vintage Armageddon, okay? You want to be the wheat. You don't want to be the tares, okay? At this point, it's, it's, this is, he, God is done. He said in that last chapter, this is it. I'm done, okay? Christ will come and will harvest the earth, and he will harvest the vintage, which is the old wine that's just going to go, and those are going to be made. Basically, it says that they'll be crushed and that their blood, it'll be as high as a horse's bridle for 180 miles is how long it will flow. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. Now, let me move on. Then, now we're moving to chapter 15. If I can get there. Chapter 15, we're going to start to see, uh, we're getting ready. At this point, we're getting ready for the bowls. We haven't even, remember, we we talked, we alluded to the bowls earlier, okay? Um, But we haven't even gotten to where John is explaining to us these bowls being poured out. And I think I can do this really quick. Because I, really, it, this is kind of like this. It's the, when you read it, the pace really picks up here. Boom, 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 boom. This stuff really starts to happen. Of course, it still takes three and a half years. But at this point, when you it, there's this, just this speed about things that happen. Um, verse, uh, chapter 15. Come on, Jim, get there. Wait, are you past it? See, I knew I should have done this like electronically. Where am I at? Chapter 15. Nope, that's Matthew still. Is this 15? Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. I saw before me what seemed to be a sea. Uh, be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who'd been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. They were all holding harps, remember? Everybody's got a harp. And, and that God had given them, and they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. So then there's a song there that we sing um, that all those, all those saints on that sea will be singing. Um, and then I looked and saw in the temple of heaven, God's tabernacle was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. Listen, they were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chests. Guess what? Angels, as we talk about angels, don't wear white linen. The only beings in heaven that are wearing white linen are redeemed beings. That means we was human. Okay, it will be us. It will be redeemed humans. And later on, we'll see that John even tries to worship this one of these uh, beings. And that he says, no, 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 no. I'm just like you. I'm your brother. You don't worship me, okay? He is not, it is a redeemed being. These seven redeemed beings are holding these bowls. Um, uh, so the first angel 
Let's, I'm just, I don't know how, if you can keep up with me back there or not. Verse two, so the first angel, am I in, do, do. anyway, so the verse two, the first angel, where is it? Where's my temple? Verse, oh, we're to 16. We're at chapter 16, aren't we? So anyway, there's, you know, the temple is, is visible, the heavenly temple, the real one, okay? The real heavenly temple becomes visible. See, there's more and more, of what's going on is like there is no reason that people don't give glory to God, but they won't. They won't at this point. Ah, so the first angel, verse two, uh, the first angel left the temple, poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped the statue. Any explanation needed there? Okay. Malignant means what? Huh? Like cancers, okay, are going to break out, and that they like will they'll move to different parts of their bodies, okay, and all these sores are going to be coming up. And who gets these? Those with the mark of the beast, the ones who are worshiping the statue. So if there, are, if there were or are any other beings on earth, which there, there will be, but it's a, that's, a, that's a whole nother lesson and a whole nother exp- explanation. There could be. Um, they're not going to be uh, under this. These are saved for. The, these judgments are saved for specifically those who worship the mark. Remember, he's, he's already gotten rid of a bunch of of everybody who's done all the other awful things throughout history and, and throughout the Revelation. Now he's really upset about these people who took that mark. Uh, then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. So we see the sea here. This is the Mediterranean Sea. There'd be no reason for John to think it was any other sea except the Mediterranean Sea. This is the main sea that feeds in, in the economy and everything. So when all of this starts happening, the sea starts, everything in the sea dies. Then the third angel poured out his bowl in the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And I heard the angel who had authority over all water saying, you're just, O Holy One, who is and who always was because you have sent these judgments. Since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. This is where the, the fresh water is turned to blood, okay? The rivers where they get their water from, these are turned to blood. Remember earlier in the, in the Revelation when the saints look at God and they say, hey, when are you going to do something about this? When are you going to avenge? And he says, wait, the time will come. This is the time, okay? He's avenging their blood. I heard a voice from the altar saying, yes, O Lord. Um, then verse eight, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everything with its fire. Everyone was burned with this blast of heat. They cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues. They did not eat their sins and turn to, to God and give him glory. So we see the sun being uh, become, basically the heat, it gets hot, okay? It gets hot basically for a, for a period of time, scorchingly hot, okay? Horribly hot. This is not by any chance a nuclear holocaust that destroys the earth. Nuclear holocaust and war and these kinds of things cannot destroy the earth or none of this happens, okay? None of this can take place if those things are going to destroy the entire earth. Global warming can't destroy the earth, okay? I believe that the earth might be getting a little warmer, but it's not going to destroy the earth, okay? Um, Because if it did, then these things can't happen. 
All right. Uh, the fifth angel poured out his poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. See, they're not going to at this point. They're just not going to. At this point, they're now mad at God, and they wouldn't. You know, did your kids ever get mad at you? And it don't matter what you do. Eventually, they get over it, but these guys are not going to get over it, okay? Um, so we see them, they're thrown into darkness. Um, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. The Euphrates River is the boundary between the east and the west over there. And so this Euphrates is what protected the Antichrist from the armies of China, and the red armies of China and India. Now, some people think the red dragon that it talks about it is that. No, the red dragon is Satan, okay? But he, here, they are, he's protected from the armies of China. Remember, he had to go to battle against Russia, and it cost him a lot, but he did, does defeat Russia. But the armies of China at this point, and the armies of, of, like, of Southeast Asia, like India, and that those armies will be able to come um, and will be able to basically attack him. They'll be able to come straight across the Euphrates because there'll be no, no uh, Euphrates there to stop them from coming. And, I saw this, and then I saw three evil spirits. I love this. The three evil spirits that basically jump. It says it comes, they come out of the mouths. They look like frogs. And they come out of the mouths of the dragon, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. When I think of these, you know, it says he looks like frogs. Did y'all ever see Gollum on, that's what I think of when I think of these weird little creature things. Um, you know, he's the precious, you know. Isn't that Gollum, isn't that his name, Gollum, on the, on the uh, yeah. You know, that's kind of these little weird, now not that that is it, okay, that's not, that's not what I'm saying it is. But when I, you know, when I do these in my head. That's what they are. But basically, they're not frogs. These are ambassadors who the Antichrist is going to send around the world to try and gain, to, to gain influence. He will send them out to nations that are not fighting, not joining his alliance. He will send them out, and they will try to get these nations to join them for the Battle of Armageddon, okay? That's what these three spirits are. Um, again, these spirits... Are these are these beings, whatever they are, are are very much symbolic here. It's not like he saw a frog really go, but for some reason he says it was as if a frog jumped out of their mouth. In other words, they come right from from within this dragon, the Antichrist. Okay, so it's someone who's who's very much a part of what's been going on so far, and they are sent out. Um, and the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to the place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. So we're, we're getting there, folks. We're getting to Armageddon. Oh, okay. Then the seventh bowl was poured out. I'm going on. Uh, it was poured into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, It is finished. It is, have we heard this before? Right? It's a proclamation that's being proclaimed when, you know, it doesn't mean that it's actually all taken place, you know, but it's kind of that, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that kind of thing, okay? It is finished, this voice is saying. Um, 
Thunder crashed and rolled, and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck, the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections. Cities of many nations fell. This is where we have this Babylon falling, okay? Babylon is falling at this point. Um, it's a horrible earthquake that takes place. We'll have more explanation on it that will come in chapter 18. Oh, okay. I think I'm going to have to save chapter 17 for next week. So next week we will talk about mystery Babylon and literal Babylon. These are terms that are used um, by smart theologians around the world. So we will talk about basically chapter 17 and 18 are breaking down for us kind of what happens with Babylon. There are two Babylons, basically. There's a spiritual Babylon, okay? There's like a religious Babylon. We call that mystery Babylon because it's, it's hard to understand, okay? But if you just read it the way it says it, it's not as hard as trying to figure it out to be something crazy. And then there's, in chapter 18, we see where the literal city of Babylon falls, okay, in chapter 18. So, that's first chapter 17 and 18, which I was hoping I'd get to tonight. I don't know how, but I thought, you know, that God would let the earth stand still or something for a few minutes, but that didn't happen. So we'll go to 17 and 18 next week, probably 19 and 20, and then we'll do 21 and 22 the last week. Um, I was kind of hoping to just be able to wrap it up, but the last couple, after chapter 18, it starts to get really good. Okay, chapter 18, this is all the horrible stuff. Then we'll start to hear about what we're going to go through a little more um, as we get into chapter 19, 20, 21, 22. That's the stuff that really should matter to us. We spend a lot of time thinking and, and studying stuff that really isn't even really going to influence us and really be, you know, what we're going to be experiencing, you know, after chapter 3. It's kind of from there on. Uh, until we get to chapter 19, 20, 21, 22. It's a lot of just what everybody else, you know, who's left, those who are left behind will experience. All right. I'm going to stick around for a few minutes. And if anybody has questions, if I can't answer your questions, I will write them down and